What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blink Canvas. It's Mickey, and this week we're discussing the war on drugs. Now, I'm just going to start this episode by saying something that is stating the freaking obvious at this point. Marijuana should be legal. This should not be a thing. It should not be scheduled a level one drug. It's not that dangerous at all. It's natural. It should be legal everywhere. It shouldn't even be left up to the states. This should be a mandatory thing all over the U.S., all over the world. Marijuana should be legal. But for more reasons than the fact that it is natural, it doesn't cause any harm, it's not causing people to OD, things of that nature, there is a long history of why it is not legal, even up until this point. And we know a lot of it has to do with racist policies and practices and just purposely looking for ways to divide different communities and lock them up and separate them from their homes and their families and just evil, evil intentions behind the policies of why marijuana isn't legal and I just wanted to start by saying that of course we all know that marijuana should be which is why it's becoming state by state and why those states are increasing in revenue a duh should be legal everywhere and today I just want to go down a little quick history lesson as much as we can know to be true since we all learn different versions of history depending on where you learn your history in America, that um, of how we got here. So, of course, we know the war on drugs was really got started because things like marijuana, opium, coca, and psychedelics, um, they were used thousands of years for different medical and spiritual purposes. But then it became like a a big deal because people had again ill intentions and different motives for why they wanted to cause a huge um, war on drugs. So the first anti-opium laws were in the 1870s and they were directed towards Chinese immigrants which that was something that knew that I learned. I did not know that. And the first anti-cocaine laws were in the 1990s. And of course, we know they were directed at Black men in the South. And the first anti-marijuana laws were in the Midwest and the Southwest. And that was like between like, you know, 1910s and 20s. And they were directed at Mexican immigrants and Mexican Americans. And of course, the two biggest people that, um, are largely impacted by the war on drugs are Latino communities and black communities. If you're a person of color, not just out of 10, but especially Latino and black communities, they are the most impacted by this war on drugs. So let's go through from president. um, I'm not going through all of them, but just some key major players of how we got here, why it's as big as it still is even to this day, and um, how it's all played out. So we all know Nixon. (laughs) President Nixon had the largest, I can't even say the largest, maybe you can say the largest, but he definitely laid the groundwork for the war on drugs. And this was in the 60s, you know, so Around in the 60s, a lot of people were, they say, like media portrayed it in different things that 
you know, people use drugs for youthful rebellion or like political dissonance and different things like that. And so when it came to that point, I guess the government said, you know, like we want to stop putting the effort to see if this is really safe and do that. And we kind of want to turn this political and have our own hidden agendas when it comes to why we quote unquote think this drug or that drug is safe and unsafe. So in 1971, President Nixon declared a war on drugs. Thank you, Nixon. Thank you for nothing. I just want to say that, you know? Um, so by doing this, he increased the size and the presence of federal drug control agencies. And he started policies um, or at least heavily increased policies like mandatory sentencing and no knock warrants, which we see even to this day um, have a major impact. Hence, Breonna Taylor, right? No knock warrants being allowed to go in and just giving all police are not bad before we even go into this. Duh, all police aren't bad. Just like all people aren't bad. But there are bad seeds in the bunch and they cause problems. And these, the problems aren't like, oh, itty bitty, they can be fixed. Like it's, the problems is costing people their lives. It's costing people time. It's costing people, family members, loved ones. So yes, all of them aren't bad, but if you have enough of them, that's bad enough. Um, that's causing major damage and stuff. There's some stuff that we it needs to be reevaluated, and we need to tell the truth about how it is. We can't just say, "Oh, but you know, all of them are uh, duh, duh, no shit." Like we're not saying all of them are bad, but we are trying to call out the ones that are, so we can fix it, and so the good ones, we can respect them again, and we can feel safe around them again, and they can be looked at again. I mean. Like they always say, there is no song that say, fuck the fire department. Okay? All right. But so <laughs> Nixon, you know, he infamously had a top aide that came out after the war on drugs was started and said, you know what this really was about. And this was after the Nixon campaign in 1968. Um they the Nixon campaign basically they had two enemies it was the anti-war left and black people and so his top a came out and said we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin and then criminalizing both heavily we could disrupt those communities we could arrest their leaders raid their homes break up their meetings and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Direct quote. I've seen that quote multiple times and that should be enough alone to make people use their brains to be like, let's end this war on drugs. Obviously they had ill intentions. Obviously they had races, um, intentions behind it motives behind it obviously it had political motives behind it and yet and still we just disregard it and it's like eh, I guess because it's not affecting the masses um or at least the masses that America cares about because it's not affecting them it's like no big deal because pills my goodness the opioid crisis we're supposed to care about on a major high level because it's affecting you know you know which community it's affecting the most and we're supposed to care. We're supposed to care more about that than we're supposed to care about crack, cocaine, heroin, and all the other stuff. 
but yet we're still promoting pills and it's not even just because it affects that community it's also a big money thing america and capitalism and just always trying to make a profit like america has sold its soul to gain profit they don't care about people's health their lives their schedules their time their nothing when it comes down to it if it can make a dollar <laughs> it's getting done in america and if you have to if they have to work people to death they're gonna do it they are going to do it in america so you know that was nixon and his thing and he played a major role but it goes on like in the 80s and 90s here comes president ronald reagan right he had a chance to do better he didn't he expanded the war on drugs okay he literally expanded it so the number of people behind bars for non-violent drug law offenses increased from 50,000 in 1980 to over 400,000 by 1997 his wife was also known for doing the highly publicized anti-drug campaign and coining the infamous slogan, just say no, D.A.R.E. programs and other things came up of stuff like that. And D.A.R.E. program is controversial within itself because again, the intentions behind it, are they pure? Are they, you know, do they have the right mindset behind it? It could all be debated, honestly. And then, you know, so we move on to jump, 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 Clinton. And Clinton, um, BJB, blowjob bill, yeah. He had the opportunity to do better too. And yet, and still, he, he didn't. He campaigned in 1992 in his presidential campaign about, oh, I think we should go for more treatment versus incarceration. But when he was in office, he ended up reverting to some of his former Republican predecessors' practices. And he continued to escalate the war on drugs, not de-escalate it, which thanks for nothing, BJB. Thanks for nothing. And the irony is at the end of his presidency and like when he was getting ready to leave, then he was like, you know, we really need a reexamination of our entire policy on imprisonment of people who use drugs and said that marijuana should be decriminalized. But he said this like leaving. He didn't say this when he had somewhat of power and authority and like time to try to make actual change he just kind of took the easy skate road go like I'm, I'm leaving out but this is how I really feel but I did the opposite when I actually had the power to do some things and that is typically how it goes because again the war on drugs has been politicized and has been turned into a thing that heavily affects people of color and black and brown communities and it's still a thing that affects our communities to to this day, even with laws changing slowly state by state, which again, it should just be a, a massive comprehension law across all the states. I know that's not necessarily possible per se, but it should be done. It should literally be done. And then we cannot forget about our infamous current, unfortunately, president, Joe Biden, and his major role of how he impacted the war on drugs. So let's get started with 
some of his policies because he is up there to me with Nixon. Of course, Nixon got it started and the other ones didn't help keeping it going, but Joe Biden escalated it to a level where the other ones didn't even escalate it to. Um, so he clad, he was often known for clashing with Bush through the 80s and 90s about, you know, crime and drugs. And uh, during a debate over the 1991 bill that would eventually become the 1994 crime law bill, Biden said that he was much tougher than Bush himself and he provides more penalties for death for more offenses than the president's bill. That was his response back then. Um, and Biden said himself that we do everything but hang people for jaywalking. Like, this is how this man felt. He's always said it out loud. Now, how he's currently our president and got so many black people to vote for him. They just didn't know his history. And it was out there, but they didn't know his history. And uh, at that point, I think when you're so desperate to get Trump out... I was not happy to vote for Joe at all for many reasons because of things that he contributed to my communities and the way he talked about different people. Like, how are you going to be a president for all of us? But the policies that you enacted and that you were with and stood firm with for a lot affected people that did not look like you, Joe, and you were very proud of them, Joe, and you stood on them. And I think the only reason you even stepped back a little bit on it is because you needed our vote. And politically, it just wouldn't sound right in today's times. You know, you could kind of stand firm on it back in the day, but to be able to get away with it right now, and you were supposed to be quote unquote, the opposite from Trump, Joe Biden is really not that different from Trump. Trump says his out loud, Joe hides his right and smiles in our faces but you can clearly see in the way he does his policies um i don't really think he's still for us now he's done a good job at trying to diversify the courts and all that and um electing like more diverse people i, I will give him his credit on that but besides that no joe ain't even my guy off student loans alone alone he's not my god for that so besides knowing how he's played a role in the war on drugs that also was a huge huge factor and why i was like okay we're getting a toned down trump 2.0 i don't care what anybody says a toned down trump 2.0 and moderates aren't bad but they scare me a little bit because i progressives aren't really that progressive like it's just basic common human decency things like we should all have universal health care. We should, kids should be able to eat when they go to school. Families should be able to buy homes. You, um, people should have livable wages. Education shouldn't cost us our body parts and our souls just to keep the economy and the next generation going forward. People have like these radicalized ideas, but they're pretty basic and simple. The crazy thing is the over the reason a lot of people just disagree with it is because they just have a problem with other people benefiting from it even if they have it, it's like I don't want you to have too and I think that's a really weird and messed up mindset we have as humans because I know it's not just in America but that's like a human issue like why does it bother you that bad for somebody to come up like even if you already have these benefits you have health care or something why does it bother you if somebody else is getting help to get their health care 
Like, why? What is it in you that's like, they don't deserve it? Okay, but don't you have it? Or if you don't have it, shouldn't you be with the side trying to fight to get it for everybody? Like, let's let's even it out. Let's make it fair for everybody. But I guess that's the point. Some people feel like it shouldn't be fair. It shouldn't be an even playing field. And other people don't deserve to have the things that they have. But the reality is, is none of us deserve to have the things that we have. None of us. Absolutely none of us. But yet we're all so fortunate and blessed to have the things that we do. And so it shouldn't be a problem for us to help other people, you know, get it as well. But, you know, teach his own. We're all different. Some people don't like it, but I hopefully I never go to that level. And I never want to understand why it would bother somebody else that bad to see somebody else benefit from something that either they already have or that just the, that person needs. Like if you don't need it, congratulations. But why would you want to cock block somebody else from getting it? I don't understand and I don't want to know. But back to our, our infamous, unfortunately, current president, Joe Biden. He played his role too. Let's go down some of the bills, right? So the Comprehensive Control Act was 1984. He superheaded the bill, and this expanded federal drug trafficking penalties and civil asset fortitude, which allows police to seize and absorb someone's property for the cash, cars, guns, or something else without proving the per- person is guilty of a crime. The reason this is a big idea is because it's not used on most white people. It's used on black and brown people for the most part. And guess what? That means we're randomly getting pulled over in cars. We're walking down the street. We're randomly getting stopped. Trayvon Martin, so many names that I could say, Sandra Bland, like we can't forget these people. We're not making this stuff up. Y'all are just seeing it more often because of social media, but this is not really affecting the white communities. This is affecting the people they intended for it to affect. Hence why this is a problem, okay? Now let's move to Anti-Drug Abuse Act of 1986. This law was sponsored and partially written by Biden. And it created a big sentencing disparity between crack and powder cocaine. Even though the drugs are uh, pharmacologically similar, the law made it so someone would need to possess 100 times the amount of powder cocaine to be eligible for the same mandatory minimum sentence for crack. And we all know why. Since crack is more commonly used by Black Americans, what did it do, guys? This sentencing disparity helped fuel big racial disparities in incarceration. They were getting a two for one. Let's mess with them. Let's mess up their brains. Let's get them on drugs. Let's also get them locked up. We're getting rid of them one way or another. We're either locking them up in jail or we're killing them. Okay, or we're painting them to be villains in the media so it'll just make it a lot harder and taint the way people view them in the world. Propaganda. I mean, it's been used in other countries, it's used over here in different ways. Like, a duh, it's just like a tactic, it's a basic, unfortunate tactic that's still used to this day. Let's go on up Anti Drug Abuse Act of 1988, co sponsored by who? Biden. And what did it do? It strengthened prison sentences for drug possession, enhanced penalties for transporting drugs, and established the Office of National Drug Control Policy, which coordinates and leads federal anti-drug efforts. All right. Now let's go to Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act 1994. The infamous 1994 bill was partially written by Biden, and this imposed tougher sentences and increased funding for prisons. 
really? Don't we have enough prisons? Okay. They're already packed with people that should, especially for marijuana that should be getting out right now, should not be in there. Let's build more prisons. We can't, people don't have housing. People can't afford food. Children can't eat school lunches, but let's build more prisons. What? Can somebody make it make sense? Please, please. So the 1994 bill, it contributed to the growth of the U.S. prison population from the 1990s through the 2000s. And that's a trend that's only just now started to be reversed because, you know, different laws are being passed. And thankfully, celebrities like Kim Kardashian has helped try to, you know, um, get extra laws passed or help people be released that should be released that shouldn't, you know, and some people, they've served their time. And obviously, if these laws were written to um, make tougher sentences, some of these people are in there for way longer than they need to be. I have seen so many times a person will get arrested for marijuana or something. They will be in jail longer than a person who has molested a child. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? Do you really hate people of color that bad where you'd rather see them suffer, but you let somebody just, and I don't, I don't care if they're ra- the rapist is white, whatever, black, whatever, like, how is it that a person who gave somebody marijuana, I mean, they sold it to them, but the person had to make the choice to buy it, get the marijuana, they're in there longer than somebody who is out here touching on babies in the worst way? Make it make sense. Somebody who, um, I've also seen domestic violence partners they may get off on probation or they may still have access to the kids and stuff. They're not arrested, even though they've been coming after their families and people. But let's fill up the jails with people who are either on drugs or who have sold drugs like marijuana or anything. Right? Is that not weird? Is that not weird? Okay? It's weird to me, guys. And so I fought Joe. I fought Nixon. I fought BJB. I fought all of them. Um, Obama could have done more. And I know, I know that he was blocked because you can be president, whether Republican or Democrat. If you don't have the House and Senate on board, you're screwed. You are screwed. There's only so much you could do. But more effort should have been done. More effort should have been done. Marijuana should be legal now. This should, this should not even be a thing, guys. Like, it's not a flex. I see so many times cops still try to pull people over and flex for that. How is that a flex? Oh my God, guys, we got like a huge marijuana bus. Great. And there are still murderers and rapists and serial killers that's just running around. But you got the plant that grows from, you got that natural stuff. Good job. You got the plant that can help have health benefits. Good job. The only reason marijuana isn't legal besides the racist and political implications that it had behind it is the fact that America didn't know how to make a big profit off of it. But now that America is starting to make a profit off of it, guess who's benefiting the most from it? The communities that weren't affected (laughs) as heavily by the war on drugs. The same thing that white people are being allowed to do with these dispensaries is the same thing a person of color tried to do in the hood to make money. It's the same exact thing. They get to feed their families with dispensary money, which is literally the same thing a person of color in the hood was doing. 
I don't know why people have this uh, this blanket statement that somebody selling drugs just want to be in that life. No, people want to eat. People want to pay their bills. People want to have life. <laughs> like if you're not afforded the same opportunities, eventually everybody is not going to take the straight and narrow path. They're going to do what it takes to get the things done, meet the need, get your needs met in the way that they need to be met, whether legal or illegal. And I'm not saying it's right to do it illegally, but human beings do what need to be done. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. And all of us are not going to agree on the way that it gets met, but tell a person who's desperate enough the, how they should handle something because you never really know what you will do in a situation. You never really know what your desperation will cause you to do. So let's not be so quick to pass judgment on those things, right? Now, as I've already stated before, I believe that marijuana should be legal everywhere. I feel that um, everybody who is in jail for it or like even if you've already gotten out, all their records should be wiped clean and the people who are still currently in jail should be released immediately, immediately. And they should be the first people to benefit from this growing uh, marijuana business and dispensaries everywhere and just all the things that this will grow to. It's not going to just stop at dispensaries. It can turn into some of so many different business avenues and so many different things because as we all know marijuana can be healing it's good for re people enjoy it for rec recreational use and so many other things you know and because they stopped studying it quote unquote i don't know how much i believe they stopped studying it i think they knew how great it was they just liked the fact that it was affecting the communities more and now that you know eh, it's not as cool to keep pushing war on drugs you know the tides are turning now let's they're going to slowly start unraveling. Oh, it has this benefit. It has this benefit. We've been knew it had this benefit. Y'all knew it been had this benefit. And y'all knew how great it was just like we did. We all been on the same page. You just had bigger agendas behind it that benefited y'all more. And unfortunately, it cost communities of color, you know, in the worst way. But I think it should be legal everywhere. Also, um they should have first dibs when it comes to dispensaries, all different kinds of businesses, and they should just be afforded the same opportunity that other people are being afforded right now because people are literally doing the things that they did and on a higher level scale at that. And had they, sorry guys, went down, had those communities had the opportunity to do what other people are getting the chance to do now, this would not even still be a topic of conversation. And also there have been, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to get the, I've heard people who've had, who've been paranoid on it. Okay. I've heard those stories too. Number one, they're rare. And number two, out of all those stories, I've never in my life heard a person who's had a, um, who's been paranoid or had a paranoid experience from marijuana be like, I want to do it again. I've never in my life heard them say that. They'd be like, no, I felt paranoid on it. I'm never doing it again. But I ain't never heard a crackhead who's had a bad experience saying, I ain't going to do crack again. I'm not going to do heroin. I'm not going to do fentanyl. Like they've said like, my, yep, my heart almost stopped. I almost died, but I'll take another hit. I've never in my life heard of somebody ever having a bad experience with marijuana and being like, you know what? 
let's do it again. They're just like, no, I'm done. So don't hit me with the, you could be paranoid. If it makes you paranoid, obviously don't do it. Duh. The fire's hot. Don't touch it. Duh. <laughs> and I guess the last thing that I want to talk about in our war on drugs things is just how we have a lack of empathy when it comes to the regular person. So different celebrities deal with drug problems and stuff all the time. They're not arrested. Over half of the time, they're not arrested. And they have the resources to handle it in private at their homes, have somebody come to their homes, or they can go to the best and top treatments to get it done. Um, we're supposed to have sympathy for Demi Lovato. And I love Demi Lovato. Love her. Really love her. But we have, it's like when Demi has an OD episode, we get the documentary, we get the little YouTube special. We get some music, some songs. We all pray for them and like, ah, Timmy, your voice still sounds amazing. Oh, Timmy, girl, we love you. Don't feel this way. It's nothing wrong with what we do for Demi, but the same level and energy that we give for Demi Lovato and that we give for other celebrities, we need it for the average person. The average person, we'd be like, oh, you have a problem? It's no, let's pray for you. Let's clap for you. Let's cheer for you. Let's give you words of encouragement. It's let's lock you up. Let's shame you. Let's not help you. And they don't have the resources to get help. Not like these celebrities. And these celebrities have the resources to get help and go back and get some more. You know, the the average person is in the same cycle over and over and over again. And I don't understand how we can have empathy and sympathy for celebrities, but we can't have it for the average person. And I think we should have it for both. If we're going to applaud a celebrity from coming back from the dead and, you know, being able to restart life, we should afford the same opportunities to the average person and applaud them as well. Good for you. Like, I don't really know. I don't really know how locking a person up who's on drugs. And you already know how I feel about the selling drugs things. That's literally the whole first half of the episode. But in particular about a person who's on drugs, let's think about this for a second, guys. They're on drugs. They clearly need help, but we just lock them up behind bars, put them in like a cage-like environment, release them, don't give them any help, don't give them any treatment or anything, and wait for them to take the drugs again. Like it's the same cycle and we know that it's done on purpose. But it's like, do we really want people to get better? Do we really want society to get better? Are we okay with living in its dysfunction? And are we okay as human beings contributing to the dysfunction and making it worse? Right? I don't know. That's just that's just my thoughts on it. But legalized marijuana. Legalized marijuana. And let's give a little more empathy and sympathy for the average person the same way we do all these celebrities. Right? And um, let's just try to be better human beings. Including me, guys. Including me. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in to Blank Canvas this week and listening to our War on Drugs episode. Um, That's just my opinion on the War on Drugs. I am proud of the progress that's being made on it, but there's still so much left to do and so much reform that needs to be done and so many reparations to communities that have suffered for decades um, because of the War on Drugs. But... Let's try to look at the positive. It is getting a little better and hopefully we can continue to move forward and not take a step 
and it's like here you should just be appreciative of this step I want to take a step and I want all of us as a society um to keep moving forward and um let's not shame people who are on drugs and let's not shame people who have sold drugs because what you are allowed to do legally in some places is what somebody was trying to do um back in the day just feed their family in the same way that you're trying to feed yours or buy things that they desire in the same way that you're using it now to buy things that you desire right so let's have a little empathy for people and yeah let's just one day at a time guys one day at a time that's all that we have for this week guys and i can't wait to see what we talk about next time all right bye